Today, I get the great privilege to introduce a friend of mine to you. His name is Pastor Charles Broadhead. Some of you already know Charles because uh, Charles has been in California uh, over the course of his entire ministry. He, he grew up in Riverside and, um, and felt called into the ministry, served as a youth pastor there. He served in Bakersfield, all the way up to Sacramento, in Los Angeles, uh, in all those different districts. And uh, he's always been active in NYI, in youth ministry. And that's where we kind of crossed paths. When I got back to Hawaii and was started the Bridge Church, I was active in, in NYI. And, and we served together in uh, our, our district and field NYI ministry for 20 years together. And if those of you who ever got to go to Elevate, Charles and I led Elevate for, I did it for 17 and he did it for way, way, way longer. <laughs> um, and, uh, and together we've worked uh, closely and uh, been partners in ministry in so many ways. Then he moved to Hawaii but was on Kona. And while he was there, he invited me to, uh, to share his pulpit, which is such an honor to be able to do. And so I got to preach in, in, in your church and felt the, the great honor of that. And today I get the privilege of inviting you to preach here at Mission Church. So would you, would you help me give a warm welcome to Pastor Charles Broadhead? Thank you, brother. Appreciate you so much. Thank you. Well, aloha. Oh, that's good. Sometimes I don't even get that in my own church. <laughs> well, good morning, church. Good to be with you. And, you know, like we might say in our, our own church, aloha, kakahiakapule, which would mean good morning. Welcome. We're glad you are here today. And I got to admit, this is kind of a throwback week for me as I've walked in and seen people from... Uh, my past and my present and my future, even some people from our former church there. I didn't, I didn't even know I, I knew someone from college that was here and um, knew my sister. And I'm just getting the, the works around here. But thank you, Pastor Gordon, for um, the honor and privilege of filling your pulpit today and to, to be with you. I, I actually spent some time here in San Diego. I spent my fourth and fifth grade years here. My dad was stationed at Balboa. Um, medical center here. He was a surgeon. And I lived in a little place called Claremont right over here. Anybody from Claremont? Oh, okay. Yeah. I went to Cadman Elementary School. Go Eagles. I played for the Claremont Hilltoppers. And I don't know who came with this baseball team name, but we were called the Devil Pups. Maybe that was because of our attitude. I don't know. But um, I have some great memories of, of San Diego and, and being here. My, my real claim to fame was, and I don't know who thought of this idea. You would never do this now. But as a fifth grader, I was the sergeant at arms in charge of the crossing guards at Cadman Elementary School. And we would actually control the flow of traffic on Moranga Boulevard so that kids could pass. I mean, who would do that these days? To allow people to, to do that. But, and I don't know if you're like me. Um, when I was little, I would swim to that, I called it an island out in the middle of Mission Bay. Maybe you don't even swim in Mission Bay anymore. But uh, there's that little sand place. And I thought it was like miles away. And I drove past it and I thought, oh, that's like 50 yards. Why did it take me so long? And so it was just, it was just wild. And um, it's just good to be with you. I thought, it, I wish my wife, Lisa, would have been, I think I might have some pictures for you guys. And, um, do I, okay, there, yeah, sorry for the blurriness. My wife, Lisa, we've been married 35 years, and that was when I had what they called the helmet of hair. 
back in there. And um, anyone married in the 80s where you wore hats and stuff like that? And my wife, Lisa, 35 years, she sends her re, um, regards and a warm aloha. She just texted me right first. She said, give the Wongs a huge hug for me. And, um, but I, I miss her. I miss her sitting right on the front row and encouraging me. But we've been blessed. We've been married 35 years. We have three adult children. Um, our oldest is there on, I guess it would be your left, um, Charles. And he's married, lives in Oklahoma. Our daughter, Emily, I didn't know one of her roommates was actually here in college um, that I met today, and her husband, Daniel, and when they moved to Hawaii with us, they had the two older grandchildren, and it wasn't in the contract that they would have two more um, as there. And then our, our youngest son, Chad, who's 27 there, and then, of course, the, the joy and pride of our lives, um, our, our four grandchildren presently of Kaylee, Charity, and Wyatt, and, and Beckett, and now that I've mentioned their names, I owe them each $20, because if I, if I say the name of any of my family in the service, they own the rights, and so I have to pay, so I'm out 80 bucks now, because I'm preaching here, Gordon, so... Hope you can help me out, but and then and then of course we have some wonderful um, old English bulldogs, Layla and Kolohe, and in Hawaiian that means little rascal, and truly he is the little rascal. But I have had the privilege of um, preaching and being on the Big Island of Hawaii for the past six and a half years, and it's a, it's a joy to minister there. I've always felt a call to multicultural ministries. And uh, so I bring you greetings from my church who is just waking up this morning and getting there. It's um, just about eight o'clock and be praying for them. My worship leader texted me and said, I'm very sick this morning and can't be there. So I know the church is scrambling and um, doing things. And we'll get to this slide in a moment here because you, you see my brother Gordon up there. But, um, you know, our church is a beautiful composite of the kingdom of God. We're about 60% Samoan, uh, about 30% Hawaiian, and then we have a mixture of global and mainland transplants. And um, it, it's just been a joy to serve them. There's some three things I've learned about Hawaii in my time there, Gordon. One is that Hawaiian time is real. I noticed some of you are on Hawaiian time today. Yeah. So when you have an event, you actually tell people to be there 30 minutes earlier so they actually show up on time. Yeah, Hawaiian time is real. The other thing I've learned is that the coconut wireless is truly exists. Now, if you don't know what the coconut wireless is, you know, relatively the islands, I live on what I call the Kansas of the islands. Gordon was on the Vegas of the islands when we were there, Oahu. And I live in the big island of Hawaii. Yeah, but you can't go anywhere without someone being related to someone. And so you're very careful how you speak about an auntie or an uncle or, or anything like that because the coconut wireless is real. You know, and, and the third thing I've learned is that the aloha spirit is alive and well. The thing you enjoy when you come to visit us. And by the way, I'm extending. Usually when you come from Hawaii, you bring gifts. And I couldn't bring a gift for all of you. My mama said, if you can't bring gift for everybody, don't bring anything. So I will extend a personal invitation. You please come visit us in Kona on the big island of Hawaii. We actually have an apartment there if it's available. Might be able to help you out in the car, you know, to, to be there. But Aloha Spirit is alive and well in Hawaii. And the thing you love is that openness, that, that loving spirit that is there, aside from the immense beauty of, of things, but I have to say, Gordon, it's an honor to fill your pulpit and Rochelle um, having you there. If you don't know, this man has been um, had a profound impact upon my life and his family. We've 
shared a lot of things together. In fact, you'll see the picture there of some of the years when we had, I still didn't have hair, but, but I have no idea what we were doing in the bottom left picture, your bottom right. But what was that turtle thing? You, can you do it? Okay. All right. You'll have to ask about that afterwards. And, but he's shared in the wedding of our daughter, Emily, one of the last ones there on the um, alumni house lawn. Um, but Gordon, seriously, he's had a profound impact on my life. And, um, you know, you, we've been through, we shared the deaths of our fathers together almost within the same period of time. And um, you've been there through good and bad and all the time. We saw, we sought direction together for NYI and different things. And, and, you know, the interesting thing was he and Rochelle tried to get us to Hawaii for a long time. We finally get to Hawaii and then they move. Yeah. But when I, I was so excited when um, I heard that you were calling um, Gordon and Rochelle to Mission Church. Um, I know great days are ahead for y'all. And that, um, that aloha that he shared in planting a church for 20 years will not only extend, but um, mahalo nui loa, my brother, for the impact that you've had on my life. And um, you're, you're probably the reason I'm in Hawaii ministering today, aside from the call of the Lord. But, you know, Gordon's not the only. Do I have time for one more story for you? We, we, we have a thing in Hawaii called talk story. We sit and talk story. And um, there's another man. I don't know if he's here in the room. I saw him earlier today, and Pastor Gordon alluded to him as, um, you know him as Bob Smith. I knew him as Robert. But as a young youth pastor just up the road here in Riverside for about seven years, um, this man had a profound impact on my life. And um, I, we'd been serving, and um, you know, it's how churches go through rhythms of ups and downs and, and different things, and hopefully the trajectory is more up than it is down. And um, this happened to be, there was a tumultuous pastoral transition that had happened, and um, the church just wasn't being the church. You know, you know what I'm saying? They weren't acting like the church. They weren't living like the church. And, um, you know, as a young pastor, just cutting his teeth in, in ministry, um, one of the things that impacted me, I'm thinking, if this is what ministry is about, this is what you call me into, God, do I really want to be a part of that? Do I really want to give my life to that? And I remember this um, white knight, you call him the silver fox. He had coffee hair back then. I actually had black hair. Then, you know, he had more coffee than he had sugar like he has now. But this man spoke into my life during a messy time in ministry where I was considering leaving ministry. And um, I don't know if I've ever told you, if you're here in the room, um, Brother Bob, um, mahalo for breathing into my life and, and leaving a legacy. And, you know, he would share things to me like, um, your calling comes from above not from those around you so keep your eyes looking up and allow the lord to guide you and words like that he probably doesn't even know he remembers saying that to me he was just um an interim pastor at the time but you know i remember those conversations i remember the um, words that he breathed the life that he breathed into me and I, i don't know if i've ever told him or thanked him publicly other than as we kept in touch over the years um, he is probably the main reason why 
I'm still in ministry today. And folks, that's the church being the church. You know, there's, there's nothing better. I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And, you know, I, I do reflect back on our conversations and wonder why he had the hair and I don't have it anymore. No, seriously. But, you know, I reflect back and I think, you know, how grateful I was. I see the presentation this morning of our dear sister here. You have sown a legacy that will live on. That's the church being the church. And there is mutual benefit in that, not just for you, not just for those kids, but, but for the, the, the church. And, I mean, do you understand and, and realize that when the church is being the church, when the church is being of one mind, of one unity, of one spirit, of the oneness of Jesus Christ, the things that we focus on that are important, you know, having striving for that singular purpose and mission, in life. I mean, and folks, when the church is functioning that way, when the church is operating with that purpose that God created it to be, oh my goodness. I mean, I get excited about that. I don't know about you, but I get excited about that. I mean, there's nothing that can stop the church. Amen? Oh, oh man, that was tough. But, you know, I, I think the Apostle Paul, you know, if he was to see the church being the church, and when it is being the church, it would resonate with those words that he says, you have made my joy complete in that. And folks, there's nothing better when the church is being the church. I mean, nothing compares to being a part of the body of Christ and being in the fellowship with local believers in him. And we share with one another. We receive from one another. And there's this mutual benefit that happens within the fellowship. And it's a great thing. And so that's kind of where we're landing this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. And verses, specifically verses 14 through 19, as, as Paul closes out his chapter. And mahalo, Bob, for the wonderful tying in of Pentecost last week, as well as continuing in the series if you missed it, go on YouTube. I think you can see it. I watched it this past week, and what a wonderful thing. And I, I, I was thinking this morning, as Gordon was saying, you know, I, I didn't plan I think he planned to be that way. i got to learn to have a series and then have everybody else preach it. <laughs> right? Uh, that would be a good deal. No, I'm just kidding you, Gordon. <laughs> but, you know, as, as you turn to your Bible, we look together what it means to be blessed together in Christ. Let me give you a little context, and, and then in a moment I'm going to ask you to stand and honor the reading of God's Word. But Paul, he's drawn to the conclusion of this letter that he's written to the church at Philippi. And, and once again, he offers up these words of gratitude to the church there, because they were being the church. They were being the church. I mean, he had certainly impacted their ministry. I mean, as you've read and gone through a series, but they had a love for him, a deep love um, for him. And the church had, had, in return, had certainly benefited from Paul as well. And yet Paul knew that his commitment to them has not been without consequence. He knew that the church loved him and they were committed to him as well. But it was not just a one-sided affair that um, where there was expected to be, give, you know, one-sided meaning where um, one person gives and you expect something in return. And, and when we read this passage, we find this beautiful picture of how the New Testament church should look today. That when we come together 
as a body of Christ, when we're united in our faith in Jesus Christ, and then we share and we receive from one another. And thus, what happens is we all benefit, but mostly the Lord benefits from that together. And so, you know, when we unite your heart in faith, there's nothing that can stop the church. Amen? With that in mind, let's stand together. And I will read for us Philippians 4, verses 14 through 19. And you probably know verse 19 better than you do the other verses there. But let's look at the screen if you have your Bible. It says, verse 14 says, Yet it was good of you to share my troubles. And what Paul is referring to is he's previously, you know, kind of talked about, he's gone through this beautiful discourse of, you know, I have, know I have plenty. I've learned the secret of contentment and everything. And he says, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you as Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church, not one of them shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only church of Philippi. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you continued to send more aid to me. Then once when I, when I was in need, not only not, excuse me, I skipped a verse there. Um, verse 17, not that I desire your gifts, but what I desire is that more be credited into your account. Verse 18 says, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent me. They are a fragrant offering unto the Lord. They're acceptable sacrifice that is pleasing to God. And this is the verse you're probably very familiar with. Verse 19 says, and read it with me. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, as we consider what Paul is talking about this morning... Well, I want us to consider the blessings that come along with it. And preach on that we are better or blessed together in Christ. And the first thing we take away from the scripture and we see Paul speaking about is the faithfulness of the church at Philippi. The faithfulness. And not only that, but their generosity. He breaks it down in three parts. He says, it was good of you, church, to share in my troubles. You know, in the previous verses, like I said, Paul had just been talking about and spoken about the difficulties that he had faced in ministry, the challenges that he had, and his learning to be content regardless of the situation. And and so what he does is, in desiring um, to ensure his gratitude to this church at Philippi for the faithfulness, Paul commends their generosity. The church was so faithful to him. I mean, they had sought to insist Paul in the midst of adversity, contributing to his needs. Well, while others, if you read in um, before that, others had sought to hurt him in his ministry and neglected him. And, and what Paul does is he joins in and he rejoiced with the church Philippi because they had proven faithful to him. They had proven faithful as partners in ministry in supporting him. And he's basically saying, job well done, church. Job well done. In fact, if you go back to 2 Corinthians 8, and we don't have time to read it today, we see where Paul also tells the the church at Philippi that they're an example. They tell the world that they're an example to the world because they gave more than they could give. 
They gave sacrificially. And even though they were in the midst of severe trials, even though they were in the midst of heartache, swirling inflation, gas prices soaring high, well, it didn't quite say that. But you know what I'm talking about. Even though there was extreme poverty in that time, they were still rich in generosity. And they gave sacrificially. You know, when I, when I read things like that in the scripture, I often wonder, and I, I think about, wow, a church over 2,000 years ago, you know, their reputation of generous generosity still lives on. You know, I think of my own faith community, and will that be our reputation? A church that maybe even in the midst of rising inflation, and things, will we be a church that is generous? I mean, how wonderful to be known as the generous church that encourages others. And, you know, I, I know that your mind immediately goes to the monetary when we talk about that. But I'm sure Paul was a recipient of monetary things from the church at Philippi. And they blessed him. But I also believe that there was his prayers, their support of him, their encouragement that he received as well. I mean, you know, it interests me to, to think and that people tend to believe that the church is only interested in financial contribution. When Pastor Gordon invites you to go to Zacate, he's not interested in the financial. You know, that's the Lord's issue. He knows there is something you can give, but also something you can receive. As well, And there's something to be said about us giving of our time and our talents. We also lump in their treasures. But, you know, you live in a fast-paced society and you know that your time is probably worth more than your money. And what you give exemplifies where your heart is from there. And I'm just so thankful that we have the opportunity as believers in faith to give generously, not only of what God has blessed us with, but also sacrificially, but also of the gifts and talents as you see. I think of our dear sister here who has given for 30 plus years the legacy she has left in that. You know, I think of, uh, actually, one of your brothers is on my island right now. I flew home last week to be with the mission team that came from Point Loma. And Brother Steve Gilbert flew over. I met him on Monday, put a lay on his head, said, hey, we'll see you when I get back from California in your church. But he's over there giving of himself, of time and effort, because he believes in the church being the church. And the Apostle Paul wanted the people to know, you and I to know, of the generosity of the church at Philippi. But not only that, he wanted to talk about their accountability, not just their generosity. He says in verse 15, Moreover, as the Philippians know in the earlier days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church, not one, shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except only you. You know, Paul's telling you and Isaiah and reminds the church of the faithfulness during the beginning stages of his ministry. Even when others refused to contribute to him. I mean, it was Philippi that stood alone. It was Philippi that continued to support Paul. They continued to encourage him, give to him. If you, the, the history and the, the context behind it is amazing. I mean, it wasn't like they just emailed him or Venmoed him money. I mean, he was 800 miles away. 
And they sent messengers or couriers with these gifts. And it was a huge undertaking for them to give. And they were not a rich church. And, you know, one thing I love about the church of the Nazarene, I love the fact that we invest in missions. Amen? That we are a global church that sees missionality, if you want to call it that, as value. You know, whether it be through your faith, do you have faith promise here? Whether you have faith promise giving or the offerings that you take or mission trips. But isn't it so unfortunate that some churches um, in today, when budgets are shrinking and the economy is tight, one of the first things they, they cut is their missions giving. Because, well, we need it for our own church. We need it for those things here. And many churches who were once supportive of outside works are now focused inwards. And, you know, I, I mean, think about how God has used this church over the years through its missions giving. Your links giving. Oh, I sound like a, what do you call it, a, a missions speaker here, a missionary speaker. But, you know, the Apostle Paul wants us to know that when you're a generous church, that you can be an example of generosity as well as accountability. But, but look at verse 16. He goes on to say, not only were they accountable, but they were consistent in their giving in verse 16. For even when I was in Thessalonica, when I wasn't with you, you continued to give. And more than once you gave when I was in need. Paul remembered their faithfulness while he served I mean, they didn't just send the one-time thing, although one-time things are good. They continued. Why does Pastor Gordon want you to go to Gandhi twice, three times, four times? Because faithfulness, when you're faithful, you're consistent in your giving. But not only did Paul speak about faithfulness, he also spoke about the fruitfulness that occurs with that. And this is where that duality or that reciprocal part happens. The fruitfulness of the joint efforts in ministry. You see, when you give of yourself, others receive. The church and God are blessed. Look at it. He talks about, Paul talks about his contentment in verses 17 and 18. He says, not that I needed or desired your gifts, but I have received full payment and I have more than enough. I mean, notice the church's faithfulness produced what? Fruitfulness. It enabled Paul to be content even while being bound and imprisoned in Rome. Paul wanted the church to know that he wasn't disappointed in their efforts. He wasn't accusing them of neglect, but that their commitment had allowed him to rejoice, to be full and abound in the Lord. Folks, you have no way of knowing your gift, whether it's monetary or service or time. You have no way of knowing The amount of fruit that will be produced when you give of yourself. The smallest gift can generate the greatest blessing to others. You looked at that house on the screen and thought, oh my goodness, that's that's smaller than my family room. Folks, that's a blessing to that, that family there. I mean, we get the amazing privilege to have the opportunity to bless others. Amen? I mean, think of the blessing of just a few hours of giving. I mean, did you, you guys build that house all in one hour? That took a few days. But the time and the effort, I mean, Paul spoke of his contentment. But he also spoke of, notice the disbursements of it. In verse 17, he says, not that I decide your gifts, but I, re- 
Um, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. See, Paul rejoiced in their faithfulness, knowing that it was going to produce fruit. Fruit that would be added to their account. Paul knew that God would honor their sacrificial giving and would bless them accordingly. You know there's a difference between giving out of your abundance and giving sacrificially, right? A lot of times we give out of our abundance. But there's a unique blessing that occurs in our lives when we give sacrificially. And what I mean by that is I remember when Lisa and I were young in ministry and um, things got really tight around the household. And I mean, you make a fortune when you're a pastor, of course. And um, things were tight. And I remember uh, we were challenged in our church to give something for mission, something beyond. And you know the feeling. You look at the balance and you go, oh, how in the world is that going to happen? But yet you feel that tension. It just says, do you trust me? Will you give? And I remember that painstaking conversation that Lisa and I would have, and we decide this is what God has challenged us to give, so we're going to give. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know how we're going to hit. I don't know how we're going to feed the kids, but, you know, this is what God's told us to do. There was that moment of decision. But yet when the moment came we made the decision, there was this relief of the tension because we were no longer of ourselves. We had the trust that the God who makes the promise would provide the need. I'm so thankful that God meets my need and meets your need exactly when you need it. Amen. That when you are faithful to God, when you give that he will meet you at your point of need. I remember when we were sitting there thinking, how are we going to do this? How are we going to work? Well, you know, we'll do mac and cheese, I guess, or peanut butter jelly or whatever that means. And you know what showed up? Some dear saint, we didn't, we weren't, you know, saying that, bags of groceries in a, in a gift card. And I thought, wow. That's what it means. And the people at Philippi, you know, they, gave, they may have not seen the full benefit of their giving to Paul. And, and, but when they stand, at, and using an old-timer phrase, at the member seat, the judgment seat, you know what? Paul was asked for, he, Paul was saying, you're going to be rewarded. That's not why we do it, but that's one of the blessings. We may never know what your gift does or your gift of service does. But God does. I mean, look at some of the verses Jesus talks about. And Matthew 10, 42 says, If anyone gives a cup of water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, truly, that that person will certainly not lose their reward. In Matthew 25, 40, the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did for who? You did for me. And of course, in Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust. He will, what, not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you help his people and continue to help them. 
I mean, I love the fact that Paul doesn't just stop there. You know, he talked about the church's faithfulness and the fruitfulness and that God would honor that. But listen to the achievement that he, he refers to. He says in verse 18, I amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice to God. Notice how he highlights the abundance. I am amply supplied. I'm amply supplied. Their giving had allowed Paul to live a life in abundance. Receiving the support from Papadai. Isn't it amazing that you and I have the honor to assist others and to help them to live a life of fullness and contentment? I mean, look at the rest of the verse. It says, those, that gift, it was a fragrant offering. You know, uh, what's happening here is the support of Paul provided this sweet smelling, it's just reference back to the Old Testament, but this sweet smelling fragrance. That's unto the Lord that bore witness to the faithfulness of others, both inside and outside the faith. You know, it wasn't just the believers that were seeing this. It was those who were not of the faith, who were not believers. But notice how he talks about the acceptance, that that gift was an acceptable sacrifice to God. The support that they had given Paul was acceptable in the sight of God. He received their sacrificial giving. And it provided fruit within. But not only did he talk about fruit, he talked about the fullness of this. In verse 19, and this is the verse we kind of anchor on. And we, we quote it, right? Sometimes we don't fully believe it. But it's, read it with me. And my God will meet or supply all my needs. Make it personal. According to the riches of his glory. In who? Christ Jesus. See, having experienced the fullness in Christ, Paul sought to encourage the church to receive the fullness that is available to them in Christ. And that's why he mentioned the supply. Notice that God will meet. I love, I love the other translation that says, will supply all you need. Just exactly when you need it. You know, I need it sooner than God gives it. You know what I'm talking about? It, it's now... And it's in the form that I've derived. But what I've learned over the years is when God supplies my needs, it is in ways beyond my imagination. Not always in the abundance that I wanted, but in the need that I had. And he says, Paul wanted the church at Philippi and for you and me to know that we can rest in the provision of God. We can do it. But, but notice where the source is. Notice where the source My God will supply all your needs according to what? His riches in glory. Our riches are finite. We know this. God's riches are infinite. Amen? Amen. And while Philippi knew what it was to deal with limited resources, facing poverty, such is not the case with God. God has the riches of glory at his disposal. Folks, you realize as believers, we'll never encounter a need that God calls us to that he can't provide the resources for. God is not in danger of bankruptcy. He doesn't worry about rising inflation, higher gas prices. All the power and resources of heaven are at his disposal. But Paul doesn't stop there. This is, this, it just keeps getting better. 
He talks about the sovereign. Not only does God meet and supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, but how does that come through? In, say it, Christ Jesus. It's in Christ Jesus. And so he finds another opportunity once again to remind the church and you and I today that every blessing you and I enjoy, that they enjoy, every need that they had was met. Where does that come from? It comes through a relationship personally with Christ Jesus. Without Christ, you and I would not enjoy the blessings that we receive. I mean, there can be little doubt that Paul and the Philippian church mutually benefited from each other's relationship together, right? He had invested in them spiritually, and they had supported his work of ministry. The church was being the church and and working the way it was intended. They were blessed with each other's faithfulness to the Lord. So for you and I this morning, what's the bottom line? The bottom line is really this. When you and I work together for the glory of God and the kingdom, when the church is being the church, guess what? We're blessed together. But the key is in Christ. Amen? Nothing compares to being a part of the body of Christ and being in fellowship with local believers. Not just at Mission Church, but can we, the greater church? We share, we receive from one another. You give from what God has given you. I give from what God has given me through our gifts, talents, time, and treasures. And we benefit from that fellowship together in the Lord. And we have the awesome privilege of partnering with others outside of this work so that God can be glorified. Amen? May we continue to work together as the church and be as God intended the church to be. But it all starts in Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you today. Thank you for this truth that has been given to us in this affirmation of letter of encouragement that Paul acknowledging of when the church is the church Lord Father may we be faithful in that may we be faithful to our calling of giving of our time and talent and treasures to you may we be 2,000 years ago recognized uh, with the reputation that the church at Philippi had but Father we know it begins with a relationship with you And Father, I pray this morning, if there's one that is here that maybe their relationship has waned or they don't have a relationship, that today might be their day of salvation or today might be their day of coming back, Lord. Father, may they seek that in you. And then as they give of themselves, and as the church receives, as others receive, may they mutually benefit from that relationship that is in Christ. Father, as we love you today. And we give you all the praise and glory in the strong and mighty and magnificent name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen.